Well, good morning, church. Hola, Iglesia. What a great day to be together. For those of you worshiping online all over the world, I know we've got people worshiping at the beach, in the mountains, up north, down south, visiting family, getting away from family, wherever you've traveled. Uh, we're glad you're worshiping online with us. For those of you back with us in the room, I'm back this week too, gone last week. Uh, we were off uh, at a lake celebrating birthdays and Father's Day, had a great time. Ran into a little bit of a problem, though. Uh, we had no wife and terrible cell service where we were. So Sunday morning, we had a little trouble figuring out what to do, uh, but we worked it out. We went, we drove to a little town nearby, found this gorgeous little park where we had four bars of cell reception, and we had a great day of worship. I got a picture of it right here. Uh, so this is my wife and my boys on the left and some of their friends over on the right. Uh, it was really fun. Uh, that one of them had a little speak, a little Bluetooth speaker we hooked into so we could hear it real well. Uh, and when we got there, the park was basically empty. Uh, but kind of as we're having our worship service, people are arriving to go for walks and picnics. And we did get a lot of fun looks as people kind of walk slowly by, sort of listening to what, why are these seven oddballs singing in the middle of a public park here. But we had a great time. Uh, and so maybe if you've got a fun vacation worship story, I know some people worshiping on the beach this morning, uh, make sure to share it on social media so we can celebrate that. It'll be a fun thing uh, to do together this summer. A couple announcements last week that in case you were gone like I was, want to make sure you didn't miss. Uh, the golf tournament, the men's ministry golf tournament, it is almost full. Uh, so uh, we got a few more slots left. You can register for that for the next couple days, but it's almost full. So if that's something you want to participate in, do that. And Dinner for Eight, uh, sign-ups for the second round of Dinner for Eight uh, end today. And I'll just tell you, uh, our Dinner for Eight group for last round, it has been one of the highlights of my summer. I've had so much uh, fun with them. See some of them, they're in the room right now. We've had a great time together. So if you haven't done Dinner for Eight, make sure you do sign up for Dinner for Eight. Great way to meet new people here in the church. Also want to let you know, next week uh, we kick off a new sermon series. Next Sunday is July 4th, Independence Day. And we're kicking off a sermon series called, In Order to Form a More Perfect dot, dot, dot. Uh, kind of taking those words out of our Constitution and just thinking about what does the Bible teach us about how to be Christian citizens that add value uh, to our world. Mainly it'll be a study of the book of Jeremiah. It's going to be great stuff. That starts next week. But today, one more lesson from the B team. Uh, we're looking at some of the lesser known figures of Scripture and seeing what lessons we can draw from their life. Today, we're going to spend our whole time in 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, so if you've got a Bible with you, you can uh, pull it out to 2 Kings chapter 4. If you've got a phone with you, I bet you've got a Bible on there somewhere, or you can Google it or something like that. 2 Kings chapter 4, you might want to have it in front of you. The words will also be up on the screen, of course, as well. Uh, let's jump into our story. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Now, Elisha was kind of the principal prophet of God during this period, but he didn't work alone. He had kind of people that worked with him, and this is the widow of one of those guys. She, she reaches out to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, 
except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha says, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Find the empty jars, he says. Don't just ask for a few. And then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars, all of them. And as each is filled, put it off to the side. So she left him. And she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God. He said, go sell the oil, pay off your debts, and then you and your sons can live with what is left. Another story, another woman in a different town. Verse 8. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Therefore, let us make a small room for him up on the roof of the house and put in it a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. And then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Eliza said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she replied, as if to say, I've got everything I need. She says, no, I I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is quite old. And so Elisha said, call her. He called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time, next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son. Just as Elisha had told her. Now this story... 2 Kings chapter 4, you could read on. It's really about the whole chapter. This is a story about generosity. And it's curious, when you tell a story about generosity, uh, where do you start? Do, Do you start with the giver, the one who acts generously? Do you start with the gift? It's value and beauty and appropriateness and meaning. Or do you start with the need? Do you start with the lack, with the want that occasions the generosity? That's where our story starts, right? With a broken world and a broken world home and a broken family and a broken woman with a world in need, a life in need, 
with a, a family in debt that it cannot repay, a life that is burdened with a burden it cannot bear. Our story, her story starts with a world sort of like our world. Lives sort of like our lives. A world on empty, a life on empty. The prophet asks, what do you have? And she says, nothing really. Maybe a little bit of oil in the bottom of a jar. And then into that broken moment, that debt-ridden life, the prophet says the most amazing thing. Well, then go gather the empty jars. What a ridiculous thing to say for a woman in need. Her house was probably full of empty jars. Go gather up the, women, the empty jars. She says, I thought we were talking about what I had. You asked me what I had. Why are we gathering up empty jars? He says, no, no, we'll need, we'll need more than that. Go gather your neighbor's empty jars. I just want to warn you, some of you are going to hear God today, and what God's going to tell you is you need to gather up your empty jars. You need to get the empty jars out of the back of the closet of your life and just lay them out and be honest about their emptiness. You wish they were hard to carry because they were full and spilling over, and instead they are dry and bare and cracking. That's where the story of generosity begins when the prophet says, go gather up the empty jars. The story of generosity starts with us at our neediest, at our emptiest, at our weakest. Because you see, the foundation of all generosity is God's generosity. But the location of God's generosity, the setting for the story of the generosity of God is you and me and a bunch of empty jars. How did Jesus put it in his most famous sermon? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they are the ones who have grabbed hold of the kingdom of heaven. They have got it. Blessed are those who mourn, for they are the ones who are comforted. Blessed are the meek. This word means the powerless and the oppressed and the downtrodden. Blessed are they, for they are the ones who inherit the earth. And blessed are the hungry and the thirsty, for the righteousness of God, for they will get filled up. Later in the sermon, he says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, and what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need him, but you seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, and all these things, all the empty jars, 
Well, they'll get taken care of. A little later in the same sermon, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door is opened. Just show up before God, he says, with what you need. Nobody, you knock on the door to ask for a cup of sugar from your neighbor, right? You don't bring a full cup. You bring an empty cup. The one who knocks to receive a gift comes with empty hands, hoping by some miracle of generosity they might be filled up. You see, the great story of the generosity of God starts with God's love, but the setting of that story is your emptiness. The story of generosity in your life starts when you say, God, I am in need. God, I am empty. God, I am a debtor today with a debt I cannot repay, and I fear that I soon will be sold into slavery. God, I cannot pay back what I owe. God, I cannot heal the wounds that I have caused. God, I cannot find what I have lost. I can't even find myself, God. God, I wanted to give you a gift today. But all I could find were empty jars. I searched high and low. Wanted to give you something worthy of you, God. And all I could find were empty jars. Oh, and God's prophet says to you, so gather up the empty jars. Let's see them. Bring them out. And you may pro protest, but you don't understand. They're empty. They are poured out and dry. You can see the cracks beginning to form. And God's prophet says, gather your jars and ask your neighbors. Find out from all your neighbors, do they have empty jars too? Maybe it's the same empty jars you've got, or maybe they've got empty jars you don't even know about. Gather up their empty jars as well, because our God is a generous God, and the foundation of all generosity is God's generosity, but the location of God's generosity is your emptiness, is my emptiness. The prophet says, gather up the empty jars. Now, of course, that's not where our story stops. Because that's not where the story of generosity stops, right? The first part of this story is about God's generosity in our place of need. But the second story of 2 Kings chapter 4 is about you, right? It's about us, right? The woman of, of Shunem has wealth. And she has a husband. Unlike the first woman in the story. And she sees the work of the prophet, and she recognizes that is what my wealth is for. 
And of course, that's what God wants all of us to do. In the ways that we have wealth, God wants to see the work of God's kingdom and say, oh right, that is what my wealth is for. And she recognizes that, and so she builds a little apartment so the preaching of the word of God can advance. And again, this is how the story of generosity continues. Remember, it, it, the foundation is God's generosity. The setting is our need. When we are empty, God fills us. But then the next sentence in the story is when we are full, God calls on us to give. That's what we see the woman of Shunem do. And again, this is all over the Bible. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. God will fill up your empty jars. Why would God do that? Why would God bless you in that way? Well, he says right here, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God Paul just says, you bring God your empty jars. God fills them up, you pour them out into God's service, and that gives praise to God, and then God just refills the jar so you can pour it out all again, because you'll just keep bringing back your empty jars to God. In, in Timothy, uh, Paul writes this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. In this way, they'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You see, it's the same principle there, right? God is the one who filled up the jars so we can pour them out for others, trusting that God will fill it up again. And, and this is just true. Throughout God's Word, we see this consistent witness through a teaching and example that we respond to God's generosity in our lives by investing in God's mission in our world. It's just what God's people always do. Uh, I mean, as an example, I'll just say, here's a little thing we're doing right now. Uh, we're announcing it this Sunday. You probably got one of these on your way in. It says, the gift that keeps on giving. It's our 150th birthday this year, right? If you've been around, you've figured that out. have been talking about it all year long. Our 150th birthday is coming up in November. And how do you celebrate a birthday? You celebrate a birthday with presents. Except we don't want to get presents, we want to give presents. So we've identified a whole bunch of presents that we want to give away. Well, how many presents are we going to give away? I don't know. It'll depend on how much we give to the present fund. And we'll just keep giving away presents as long as we, we have the ability to give those presents. We've identified some. You can kind of read about it. We'll be talking more about these in more detail. Uh, basically, what we did was we looked at the generosity of this church for the last 150 years, and we asked ourselves, what acts of generosity has made the longest impact? And we noticed, well, when we planted churches, that made a huge impact. Or, or when we invested in global mission, that made a huge impact. Or we invested in our local community. And so we just kind of noticed those things, and so those are the things. And you'll just see, we're going to do them. And, and again, I'll just, just be real clear. Uh, I mean, like the woman of Shunem, if God's filled up a jar or two in your life, what are you supposed to do with it? Well, you're supposed to invest in God's mission. Obviously, this is a, a project that's over and above our general budget. Please don't shift your regular giving to this. This would be if you want to make an extra, if you want to make a birthday present to the church by giving through the church to our world and our community, well, you, this is something you could invest in. And, and we do that because we know how the story of generosity works. We come to God with empty jars. God fills them up, and we pour them out in mission. 
When we can give, we do give. We are generous whenever we can because we know that when we are in need, God is generous to us. And in fact, of course, we never outgrow being in need. That's kind of part of the trick here. It actually isn't that there are empty jar people and full jar people. That's not true. Everybody has some jars that have been filled up a little bit. Even the woman, right, had the one little jar of oil. Even she had something to pour out. But it's also true that everybody has empty jars. I warned you, the word from God for you today might just be, bring me your empty jars. Or just admit that you've got them, you know. Even in this story, right? The the rich Shunammite woman, some jars brimming over, had empty jars. She had no son and no one to care for her after her old husband that might pass away. So she's got empty jars. And God pours into them. If you kept reading in the story, you would see that she does have a son, but when he's a little boy, he's injured in a farming accident and very soon after dies. She runs to the prophet as this to say, I told you so. I told you not to promise what you could not give. And the prophet goes back with her to her home and lays himself down on the little boy, and the boy is brought back to life. I think part of the reason I like 2 Kings chapter 4 is the story starts in death. Remember the woman whose husband died and she was left with debts? It starts with death and debts that cannot be repaid. And the story ends in resurrection. And in between, it is all the generosity of God. It starts with death and debts. It ends in resurrection. And in between, there is just the generosity of God. And I just want to tell you, every story God has ever written, he wants to be just like that. It's the story God wants for your life. Our story starts with death and debts. And God wants it to end with generosity and resurrection. Here's the way these B-team series works, right? We just read a simple story, and from it, we just try to learn a simple truth. And today's no different. If you've got a jar with something in it, God put it there. And God put it there so that you could invest in the future of the gospel and the kingdom of God. That's just, that's just that's where it came from. That's what it's for. Maybe you've got a jar with a little bit of money. Maybe you've got a jar with a little bit of time. Maybe you got a jar with a little bit of wisdom. Maybe you got a jar with a little bit of faith that you could pray a prayer of faith for a friend who's lost theirs. I don't know what your jar has got in it. You look around the house. The prophet says, what do you have? Nothing, you say. Oh, well, I do have that one little jar with a little bit of oil. If you got a jar with something in it, God put it there, and that's so you could invest in the future of the gospel. From the first book of the Bible to the last, those who seek to follow God are called to invest what they have in the work of God's people. So I would just say, give faithfully to the church. That's the message of this text. 
Give faithfully to God's mission. If you've got a little extra in a jar somewhere, invest in one of these birthday presents. Invest a little, invest a lot, whatever you got in your jar. That's what we do as God's people when our jars are full. We invest in the mission of God. But I'll tell you, what I really want you to pay attention to is the other lesson we learned from this story. I want you to know what to do with empty jars. Okay? I want you to know what to do with your empty jars. Some of you have been scrounging around lately trying to find something worthy to give to your God. Oh, my dearly beloved church, God wants your empty jars. The the fullest jar you have would not measure against the storehouses of God's magnificence and God's glory. But your empty jars, well, that's a chance for God to shine. That's a chance for God to bless you. That's a chance for God to, to magnify God's glory. You need to know this morning that for some of you, the most precious gift you could give to God is to gather up your empty jars. Get to know your neighbors. Find out what empty jars they have. And on their behalf, bring some of their empty jars before a generous, generous God and trust that God can fill them up. I don't know how God will. It will be unexpected. I I can't promise you exactly what God's going to do. I just want you to know that if if you've been thinking that you can only begin begin to give to God what you have, I want to tell you God God wants you to give what you lack. Do you lack love today? Bring that empty jar to God and let God's spirit, let Jesus Christ just fill that up for God loves you with an eternal love. Do you lack righteousness today? You hunger and thirst for a righteousness in your life and yet you are stuck in the same sin and the same rebellion and the same obstinance. And you are so desperate for righteousness. Don't wait till you can bring God your purity. For you will wait too long. That jar will never fill up on its own. Bring God your sin, your emptiness. Do you lack faith today? And you've said to yourself, as soon as I have a little more faith, I'll bring that to God. For today I have fear and doubt and worry and pain. I promise you, if the prophet Elisha were here, he would say, go gather up your empty jars. Bring God your doubt. Bring God your fear. Bring God your pain. Bring God your little faith. And let God pour out till it overflows. A mess on the floor because God has poured so much faith into your life. Do you know what the label on the side of your empty jar says? Is it failing health? And the things you knew you needed to do for God, you now can't do because your body ages or your health fails. And you're like, now I can give God nothing because all I have left is this empty jar. 
give God that. That's what God wants. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are the hungry. For they get filled. Oh, give God your weakness. Some of you, I know by the world's eyes, you are so strong. And some of you are so rich. And so you think, I will bring God my strength and my riches. And in this, God will be pleased. And by all means, of course, bring God your strength and your riches. But if you really want to see the glory of God unveiled, Bring God your weakness so that God's strength can be seen. Bring God your poverty of spirit so that God's riches are made known. Don't be fooled into thinking that we honor God most when we bring our full jars as if we, in our generosity, could outgive God. For that is the illusion. I promise you, the most blessed, beautiful, precious thing you have in life is your empty jars, your thirsty soul, your hungry heart desperate for purity where you are presently bound in sin, desperate for faith where you are presently lost in doubt, desperate for hope where presently seems things hopeful, desperate for love where presently there is only hatred. You bring God that hunger, that weakness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, the prophet said. And then what? Do you know Do you know what it is? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, the prophet says. And he will lift you up. This is how we glorify our God. This is how the cycle of generosity begins. That you would be enriched in every way so that you could be generous on every occasion, so come to God. Maybe we could just pray together right now and we could just come to God desperate, bearing, just this minute, just bring to God nothing but empty jars. Let's, let's pray together. God, we come to you as a needy people. Right now, God, may your spirit cast out the pride that is in us and let us see the empty jars of our lives. Some of us bring careers that never went where we wanted them to or were cut short and now we feel we have little to offer. We bring to you relationships that we have messed up, God, or that messed up around us. And so we feel we have so little to offer you. Some of us bring lives trapped in sin. And we just can't break out. And we can't get free. And we can't figure out what to do next. And we feel we have nothing to offer you. We bring you, God, our fear and our doubt. We bring you our hunger and our thirst. We bring you our need and our confusion and our worry. We have gathered up all the empty jars 
We've shut the door. And now we just, God, just say, would you please fill us up? Bring your spirit, God. We have no gift to give you more precious than our own need for you. Our own humble desire for you, Christ. God we trust that our empty lives and our empty jars in your presence there is enough there is enough we declare this trust through the name of Jesus Christ Amen. Well, church, we're going to dismiss in just a minute. Um, And you're going to be sent out with empty jars, but with a generous God. Like we said earlier, um, you know, if God has put a little bit in your jars, it's there to serve the church. If you're prepared to give today, make sure you do that. You can do that in the kiosk on the way out. If you're online, you can do that online. If you need to talk to somebody today about bringing your whole empty life to God and how you would take a next step with that, uh, we got connection kiosks everywhere as you head out the doors. I'll be down front here. We're happy to talk to somebody. If you're online, there's a little button you can click to talk to somebody. We'll have one of our people ready to talk to you. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you about that. But I, I just want you, I just, I want to just tell you, take this with you this week. Be on the lookout. You've got empty jars you don't even know about. You tucked away in the back of your life because you didn't think God could ever fill them up. Find them. And just take them to God. And say, God, I've been rattling this thing around for ages now, and I I just want to give it to you. And you just do whatever you want with it. But if you fill it up, I will pour it out for your glory. I, I think God would love that. I think God would, man, I just think you'd get to know your God so much better if you'd do that this week. I'm going to dismiss you in just a minute, but maybe if you could stand, I'd love to just bless you one more time, and then we'll be dismissed. God, this is the truth of your word on which we have staked our lives. We are a weak people. But you are a strong God. We are a sinful people. But you are a forgiving God. We are a faithless people. But you are a faithful God. We are a stingy people. But you are a generous God. We are a weary people. But you are a never tiring God. We are a dying people. But you are a living God. God. And so just God, send us forth today, not in our strength or by our power or by our wealth or by our wisdom or by our life, but send us forth in yours, God. 
May we walk with the strength of our God. May we give with the generosity of our God. May we live with the life of Jesus Christ in us that is ours now and eternally. It is by this power we live, God, yours and yours alone. And so we leave in joy and glory, God, for you are the one who can refill the empty jars till they overflow and we are washed in your love. Send us forth with that confident hope today, God. We pray all this, trusting in the great and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, you have a great and blessed week, for your God is with you this week.